So some dungeon masters roll encounter details ahead of time so they know which beholder rays are going to fire in which order and then they will just, you know, roll 40 of them and if it lasts that long they'll cycle through and do it all again from the top. Do you guys like that? I hate it. Well, let's roll Dan. dice. Let's Dan, roll dice. Dan. Dan. <laughs> Call her Dan. Dan. What, what the fuck? <laughs> it's the beard. It's not the <laughs> Try so hard to grow it. That's very much a compliment for me. Thank right, you tell me much. about it. Story of my life. <laughs> Grab dice. Let's roll. It's because I usually yell at Dan. Thirteen. Eight. Uh, I got a five. All right. Maybe. Good. I hate it. Why? I don't know. I feel like if, as a player, going up against one of these tyrants, the joy of it is the fear of the dice that's rolling. Like that's a part of the ambiance to me. So if a DM was just to not roll dice and just throw hits at me, I'd be like, you. Bitch. Like, like, either you're making this up, yeah. or there's like, it just, it, it takes away that aspect of like fear yeah. for mm-hmm. me as a player. So I feel like rolling dice at the table is needed, no matter yeah. what it is the that intensity. you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's me next. Yeah. I agree, but not to the to, not to the level of hate. Okay. I, I understand why it's a good technique to use. If I was, say, running a game at like a convention or something, it had to be quick, it had to be efficient, I would do it ahead of time. I would have them laid out on a sheet, and I would share that sheet of paper with the players at the end. Look. For your eyes only, here's the order that we went and you can confirm that was fair. Um, but as a as a long kind of term game, if we're playing over eight hours or something, I need that intensity from the dice rolling. I need to to feel it. Um, yeah, but I understand it from an efficiency point of view. I don't mind it either way, honestly. Like I don't I don't care. It, yeah. You're you're rolling dice regardless. It is still a randomized option, but I just feel like a lot of DMs are gonna sit there and be like, okay, where are my eights and tens? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Okay. We're just gonna skip that. That two. Fuck sleep ray. Where, where's the? Where's the petrification? Yeah. This is what yeah. I'm going for. Oh, right? I'm gonna move my beholder over here in preparation for two rounds from now when yeah. I know yeah. whatever ray is coming disintegrate or something. Yeah. yeah. So. Whereas I feel like it's almost they have to choose who they're gonna attack first and then roll the dice because mm-hmm. I feel like that to me is true random. Yes. So that's me. Aggressive. <laughs> Some would say passively so. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation about the Beholders in D&D 5th Edition. I'm Adam, and with me today are Terry and Megan, and this week's episode is called Beholders Raising the Dead, because we've got undead beholders and it's Ooh. raised. Ah, raised, yes. Like, I ra- I'm, I'm fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have to have an episode these dedicated are, to why you name things the way you name these them. These are funny to read. <laughs> and there was, there's like 85 that we never used. Or we did use them, but they've never been heard before that we need to bring back in because some of them are hilarious. What was the first Beholders one? Stocks and Kills. Because I stocks. Right. And also oh stalking. So kills. Yeah. Great. Kills just like my fucking puns. Um, so last Beholder episode where we covered the Beholder, the Spectator, and the Gazer. We kind of went into what a beholder was and and a little bit about where they came from. They come from the um, outer realms, right? So, uh, but, or the far realms rather, but we didn't talk about layers. And I kind of made the promise we'd get into layers. There's also treasure and, um, and minions to go over. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of info in Volos. And I'm going to start going through it. You guys feel free to interject because people are going to get tired of my voice eventually. Dan, who's editing this, is nodding profusely. So, um, the layer of a beholder is a reflection of the creature's mindset. It starts right off with that, with the layer. So, the basic idea is that it is methodical and brilliant, and there's a purpose for everything. 
but it is seemingly random and difficult to navigate. Um, much like the mindset of a beholder. It almost always happens in a natural space, but I see no reason why they wouldn't take over an abandoned dungeon or an empty fortress that has been um, left by the, the, I don't know, a plague wiped everyone out. Yeah, yeah. or you're like an old dragon's lair yeah. where the dragon's no longer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the beholders move in and then they use their um, disintegration ray to build more tunnels as they see fit. Uh, and they really focus on the verticals going up and down because it's more difficult for people. So the first thing that I wanted to say was, how do you, I mean, I work with a battle map. How do you really show the ups and downs of the vertical nature of a beholder's lair without it just being, it's so easy to do on a 2D plane, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, this is one of the handful of things that really fucking isn't. I quite often now use the cross-section maps. Where you see it from the side. Yeah, uh, I like those. Now, now that I've been playing this for a while and and building campaigns here and there for a while, it's it's not as difficult for me now to imagine the room, especially about now that I've had a little bit of theater of the mind experience. So, if seeing it from the side, I don't lose the picture in my mind now of well, how square footage wise, what's the size of that room? I still know what's in there, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm still able to do it, but it allows me to see the verticals much easier. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I've seen some success in when you're drawing like a 2D map, yeah. um, doing spots where either there's a dip in the ground, like, cause they'll do traps and stuff. So there'll yeah. be pits. So draw in your pits, um, do puddles of water. So it makes it seem like you're going down where water might be kind of thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so you would have like little puddles of water where it's lower or little ledges where it's higher, um, and that kind of stuff. So if <clears throat> all you have access to is 2D, it works pretty well. Yeah. I... I like the, the, when it comes to Beholder's Lair, I'm going to do a theater of the mind. Yeah. Because it's just batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they say is that every one of these tunnels, it fits the Beholder's body nearly perfectly. Right. So that anything bigger is not going to come in here, but it has free access to absolutely everything. Um, which will also kind of tell you what kind of treasures and shit that you can get in here as well. They're probably not like a dragon who's going to drag a pirate ship in here. Um, tiny pirate ship. Tiny, like in a bottle. <laughs> schooner. Uh, a schooner. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little pirate flag on a rowboat. He's just dragging behind him yeah. on a rope. Yeah. Um, but the idea here is that it's not just vertical, but it's also steep um, passageways as well that are relatively smooth because of this, the disintegration. Disintegrate, right? yeah. Um, and there are minions that are in here that need to go up and down so they like often carve little stairs and have ramps and whatnot i like that how does that affect your exploration pillar well it forces you to get much more creative with it and uh if it if this is something that's lacking i think you're definitely going to need to practice it ahead of time but i'm picturing like a hamster maze right now yeah. especially when you said like the cylindrical tunnels that that fit yeah. the beholder perfectly well so I think if you run with that inspiration, it's it's probably it's it as DMs, it's great training for the exploration pillar, but I don't think it's too difficult. Because even though the layers are complex, how they're created is quite simple. It's smooth tunnels. We're working with verticals. As long as you just put those different rooms in different places, you're not gonna trip yourself up. It's not like trying to do theater of the mind with a wizard's tower, mm. where there's different shit going off everywhere. It's uh it's a good stepping stone into theater of the mind. Mm. I just like imagining a giant barbarian trying to like shoulder its way through this tiny tunnel. I love it. Yeah. And just like <laughs> but I think like it does present those kinds of challenges because not everybody is going to make a smaller character. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So you almost have to be like, all right, so you've come up to a tunnel and you have this giant guy that might not fit through. What's your plan? Yeah. Right. Well, the beholders are large. So I think they're on average four feet round. Yeah. Which means that you got to duck the whole damn time. Oh, if God. you're above five feet, you're like crawling. That's yeah. slight. Yeah. The slight duck where it's like, you're not going to crawl because that's ridiculous, but you just, you're hunched over. You're in a constant squat. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You get back to the tavern after and you're looking for the lumbar support. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I'm going to get into some of the minions and stuff that kind of run around in here, but, um, there are a list. We're looking at Bolo's uh, Guide to Monsters, which lays all this stuff out. There's a list of different rooms and stuff that are in there, which are really fun. Um, but there are a couple of things about the tunnels. First of all, there is a secondary set of tunnels above the regular tunnels or beside them. With little softball size holes all the way around it so they can stick an eye in to watch. So creepy. And so al- creepy. And also hit you with eye rays. They also say that it acts as arrow slits if your guys are trying to shoot through them so there's three-quarter cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, just reminds me of like something like from the labyrinth where like yeah. a little puppet eye will just come down and stare at you. And- I, th- I think of the uh, trash compactor from uh, Star Wars. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. The eye coming up and, and looking around. Um, the other thing about it is... When I'm thinking about these these diagonal, like these slants, these uphill and downhill, I'm going to move people at double speed downhill and half speed uphill. And, yeah. Right? I, I'm roll to lo- not fall and roll down like a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's got to be difficult <laughs> terrain though, right? Yeah, because yeah. we're talking 3D, yeah. but it's not flat and then, you know, nine feet higher is the next level. These levels are going to be going off at different angles. Yeah. Yeah, all over the place. So this is going to mess with your movement speed a whole lot, which is a lot of fun. That's great. And then, yeah. And it also says, um, later on, it talks about escape tunnels, but one of the details about it, and I would say this is probably true for anything in a Beholder's Lair, they don't really let tunnels be straight longer than about 50 feet because they don't want to be shot at, but that's enough to get most of their eye rays off at a distance. Right. So they're consistently turning a corner, seeing you coming around the corner, they hit you with an eye ray and fuck off around the corner again. Perfect. Right? Like, these guys are devious. When you're designing your beholder layer, you have to be smart about it, but like weirdly beholder smart about it. Well, isn't it like the whole concept behind their layers and how they live? And you guys probably covered this in the last beholders episode. Is the fact that they're just afraid of everything. I wouldn't say they're afraid, but the they're paranoid. They're like yeah. paranoid. Yeah. Like it's a sense of paranoia, tinfoil hat, like get out of my... Everyone's out to get yeah. them. Oh yeah. God, let's do a beholder with a tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my interesting ideas. <laughs> um, all right, let, let, me go, let me go through what the rooms are. So the first one is the central gallery, um, which is where all of the objects that the beholder likes to look at is kept, right? All of them are in this room, but... Because they float and hover, all of the stuff that's really expensive, they don't want their minions to touch, is kept on really high shelves and way up like 20 feet in the air. Mm. So um, they will like float around and just look at the things that they like to look at. I love it. Which is really... I'm trying to think now what it looks like to a beholder to see out of 11 eyes at once. Mm -hmm. In all directions. Yeah. Let's ask a spider. Let's not. It's weird to hear from you, Megan. I I hate them. There it is. Um... (laughs) There's also minion chambers. Uh, this is a part of the lair where there are um, all of its minions, which we're going to get into in a minute, where they live, cook, eat, and sleep. There's not a whole lot in the way of recreation and shit there. It's pretty, like, they're they're tyrants. These. It's a break room yeah. with a chair in it. Do you think that there there's some sort of normality in their chambers? Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they've been able to make square rooms that are perfectly flat, and they're just off to the side somewhere. Oh, absolutely not. No, the behold, like, this is the beholder's lair. 
and they this still has all the softballs. So you know that they're peering in and looking and keeping track of their minions. Yeah, all of the time because what what are they talking about? What who said what about me? Fuck you. Yeah, right. Like and the that is that is the worst micromanaging boss of all time. Mm-hmm. That is that is an assistant manager right there mm-hmm. when you are working for for a beholder. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You've opted into a group chat that you never wanted to be in, even though you're. <laughs> Even though you're on the early shift that goes from 5 to 1 p.m., that group chat's still going at 9 p.m., and you're fucking sick of it. (laughs) Um, The next one is a prison. The prison um, is really set aside for all of the Beholder's um, foes that are powerful enough that they want to subjugate them eventually, but they haven't done it yet, or they're going to keep them as some sort of ransom. These are not, um, like, Beholders are not forgiving. They will straight up fucking murder you. Uh, and if they don't want to murder you outright, they may just petrify you for a little while and put you on display. And like, beholders are freaking weird, but they do keep some alive. It says right in here that most prisons are just pits with grates along the top of them, uh, like 20 foot deep pits that they can hover over, look down, and, and talk to you and taunt you and slowly bend you to their will. Mm. Creepy. Mm. Uh, there's a sanctum, which is the private chamber, and it's usually at the highest elevation in the lair. Um, this is where the Beholder rests and plots, and it usually contains a nest of sand or cloth bedding and its favorite pieces of sculpture. Aww. Yeah. So those petrified people, they're mm-hmm. just, all these all my nest sculptures. <laughs> um, I would say that this one probably is with a long vertical shaft all the way up, right? I imagine like a pit of despair with one pillar in the middle that he can float to and stay in, but no one else can get to him unless you can fly or float. Like, that's how I imagine Do you think that they're Nightmare Adventures in Aarakocra? Actually, could you... I don't think the Aarakocra can spread their wings in those tunnels. Probably not. No. Hmm. Nope. There you go. I'm trying to think who else has wings. Asimars sometimes. Not not Kenku's. Yeah, I, like, they're... Actually, no. Their nightmare is going to be a monk. Because those fuckers run up vertical walls. That's true. Yeah, monk versus beholder. And they're, like, weirdly immune to shit, too. Like, that, that makes sense. They also have a vestibule. Um, which is the area beyond the entrance. The entrance and the vestibule usually look like the natural setting, the craggy area that they uh, got in the first place. It's kind of a level of camouflage. But it says that um, the vestibule is usually 15 feet or more lower than the entrance corridor, and the chamber is often inhabited by shriekers, which are little little mushroom-looking fuckers. They're, they're fungi, they're plants, they're not intelligent. But if you get close to them or you disrupt them, they shriek loudly, so this is an alarm system. Oh, oh. That sounds awful. But remember... I hate loud noises. Remember, <laughs> the, the beholder floats, so the beholder will go right over them, no problem. Ugh. Can you imagine just accidentally a tentacle, like, hits... <laughs> like, <laughs> just <laughs> hits one on the way by and sets up a chain reaction back to the Oh, front. it'd be so awful. It'd be like, I, f- I forgot that that happens. Right. <laughs> um, there are also a bunch of traps, and it goes into a number of them. Um, there's a covered pit. It says that it might be empty, filled with mud, causing anything trapped in it to eventually drown, or have spikes at the bottom. Never occurred to me to have drowning pits. So, yeah. Thanks for that, wizards. That's great. Considering, <laughs> considering, as you mentioned a couple of months ago, Adam, uh, we were also paranoid about quicksand when we were growing yes. up, and it has not been as much of a problem as we thought it would be in it adulthood. Is, it is going to be now. Yes. yes. Yeah. Quicksand. We've learned. It's like, it's like when the environment grapples you, Megan. Shut up. Uh, um, so there are uh, also door traps and the thing with the door trap is that they will have a large cavern and they'll actually get their minions to build a wall and they'll put a door in it with a trap on it 
the beholder will fly over the wall and keep on moving or stop on the other side and prepare their eye rays and stuff where the party has to stop and deal with this door and the trap. So that I thought was kind of unique and interesting. And I would do that in a lot of layers. Mm. I don't see why dragons don't do that. And I feel like they would at yeah. some point. They're just doing any kind of trap action. Um, there are ceiling traps, which are essentially just uh, gravity um, traps with collapsing roofs, uh, falling net. Um, the, the rolling sphere from Indiana Jones would be another one of these. Um, and uh, a lot of the times it's going to open up an area above full of mud, water, sand, garbage, green slime, petrified enemies, poison gas, swarms of centipedes, zombies, or any other sort of hazardous material or creatures. I imagine all of that in one room. Yeah, and it... <laughs> And it all just, like, <laughs> rains down upon you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are gas spores, which I talked about last time, which are those beholder-looking uh, fungi that, that... Oh, yeah. I like those. Yeah. Those things are, are gnarly. Um, it, there's a thing called an obstacle course, which I think we all know what that means. There's just a lot of traps. Oh, sounds pretty perfect. straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Sounds awesome. <laughs> um, and an oil sprayer, which is uh, a <laughs> trap, which is a large tank filled with oil embedded into the top of a column or located in a space... Above the trapped room, and when it's triggered, a valve at the bottom of the tank opens, and oil spews into the room, making the floor slick and igniting if any open flames are present. Classic. Your kobold player character is going to be fascinated with this, just taking notes everywhere and doing little diagrams. Yeah. Does that not feel out of place for a beholder layer, though? Like, I get that for a kobold layer. That makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for kobolds. Feels crude. Yeah. I know we're talking about oil, but... Ba-dum-tsh. Um, I do feel... It, it makes sense in this, like, it's their last ditch effort of the the government's coming to get me. I'm going to blow up my lair. But yeah. also, like, just <laughs> fire your disintegrate ray. Don't rely on this trap with the oil spraying. And hopefully this thing works. Just be like, boof. They think that they're clever, okay? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Oh, I like the idea of a lot of these traps, these, like, ceiling-based traps being held up by... Thin, like, wooden poles. Just really shittily put together. And he just <laughs> runs by and smacks it with an eye stalk on the way by. And bam, now the room is full of whatever crazy bastard nonsense that, he, yeah. that he's got ready to go. Like, I bet he would trigger his own traps. Oh, yeah. I used to do that on Skyrim. Yeah? yeah. By accident or on purpose? Like, just uh, just lead the enemy through the trap and it's in the dungeon or whatever, you know? <laughs> anyway, I'm not very good at games, so. <laughs> um, how about Dungeons and Dragons? Terrible. <laughs> It's absolutely terrible. Um, they also have a trophy gallery, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and this is the area where um, there are all these little niches and pedestals and, and stuff that it, it holds dear, uh, all of its treasure in this area. Um, this is actually the place where the, the, the high shelves where the minions can't mm-hmm. touch it and stuff. Uh, I was wrong. The central gallery is just the objects that the creature enjoys looking at, like art and statues and latest spoils of victory. But it's not necessarily trophies, right? So there's the two different ideas So there may here. be precious things there, but there also may be just very mundane things there that the Beholder just thinks is fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to go through. It actually has classifications for the five different types of, okay. of uh, treasures that Beholders like. But the last thing that they have here is a, um, a leaving the lair section, which is about the escape tunnels. And they apparently go to a lot of trouble to make it as safe and comfortable as they possibly can. So it's rare that they will ever get outside of their own lair. So if they're going to leave, they leave really under duress. Um, they would primarily be concerned with securing the area in a one-mile radius around the lair, um, and that actually corresponds with its regional effects. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have home 
Or it might leave home to confront or forestall the advance of creatures that it sees as threats. Um, but when a beholder goes on the offensive against a threat outside its lair, it plans ahead and makes use of all of its advantages. Um, so it doesn't leave just because it like it's bored. Mm-hmm. It's very happy in the COVID world, just sitting in its own basement. Mm-hmm. Or I guess in its attic and chilling out. Um, so when it comes to the um, escape tunnels, they... They block it at each end with a boulder, which, of course, a disintegration ray can burn through, which will let them get through. But it makes it hard for anybody else to get in. And there's dozens of these things all over the place. These guys have a contingency plan for everything. So there are a thousand difficult ways to get out that are easy for the beholder and hard for anyone else to get in. Right. And I feel like this is where you're going to get a lot of your traps because because they're going to leave the main open area there um, to... Let people stumble in, but under its own, like, rule. But by its design, it's going to capture people and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any more thoughts about uh, layers or um, about layers or uh, anything else before we get into the, the layer effects? No. Uh, no. I, yeah, <laughs> no? I think they're pretty straightforward. It's a maze of tunnels, traps, don't touch me, with tinfoil hat, yeah. whole nine yards. What a podcast this is. Yeah. Any ideas? No. No. <laughs> no. Great. The book was good. <laughs> All right, let's go through some of the layer actions and think about the layer that we just talked about. So so this is what you can expect in here. Um, so again, on initiative count 20, which loses initiative ties with anything else that rolled a 20, um, it uses one layer action, and of course you can't use the same one twice in a row. So... Um, there are three. A 50-foot square area of ground within 120 feet of the beholder becomes slimy. That area is difficult terrain until initiative count 20 on the next round. With all the vertical tunnels and and stairs and shit. Pools of slime. Pools yeah. of slime. And it's within 120 feet. It does not say that they have to see. Yeah. yeah. I, and it, that even means that if you get to like the final room and you're going to fight the beholder, well, now you're just doing it on slime. Because yeah. that's basically the entire battle map yeah. is that area. Yeah. Um, walls within 120 feet of the beholder sprout grasping appendages until initiative count 20. There's that grapple that you love so much. I love grappling. Um, (laughs) each creature of the beholder's choice that starts its turn within 10 feet of such a wall must succeed on a DC 15 dexterity saving throw or be grappled. You need a DC 15 strength athletics or dexterity acrobatics check to get away. Sounds awful. Which means, again... That that's within ten feet. Remember that whole thing about these guys are like four feet round. When you go through tunnels, that's the whole fucking tunnel are, is full of tentacles trying to grab you. Yeah, Ugh. it's like that that anime Dan was trying to get me to watch. Never mind, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was different tentacles. So, but do these these layer actions they'll they'll stay. So you make the floor slimy. No, it, it, it lasts round. until the until the next one starts. Uh, okay, yeah. so um, they're not and, stacking. Then. No, they're not. Um, and then the last one is an eye opens on a solid surface within 60 feet of the beholder. One random eye ray of the beholder shoots from that eye at a target of the beholder's choice that it can see. It then closes and disappears. So, so what, sorry, what's the distance it can do that? So, um, it, it shows up within 60 feet of the beholder. Most of the rays are, um, I am just looking, uh, it can, is 120 feet. So this is 180 feet. Of ray action. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. keeping in mind that none of the tunnels are longer than than fifty feet, right? So. Yeah. yeah. But you know that thing about them, like running around the corner or getting over that little wall and fucking up. They're just gonna leave an eye ray behind to hit you. Yeah. Yeah. 
eye trap. And it opens on a solid, it's solid surface. It's yeah. not like a yeah, it has to be, be like a penis thing. gun or anything from the bar. Just floating is <laughs> not be like can't come out of the bar, for example. It has to be on a wall or something. I, I how is is your penis liquid or gas, Terry? Like so, any you, solid surface, any solid surface, penis gun, penis, penis gun. gun. <laughs> Pew. Ella. Sorry. Look into my one-eyed monster. Um, the there's also regional effects, which are um, uh, one of two things: creatures within one mile of the beholder's lair sometimes feel as if they're being watched when they aren't, and when the beholder sleeps, minor warps in reality occur within one mile of its lair and then vanish 24 hours later. Marks on cave walls might suddenly subtly change. An eerie trinket might appear where none existed before. Harmless slime might coat a statue, and so on. These effects apply only on natural surfaces and to non-magical items that aren't on anyone's person. If the Beholder dies, all the effects fade over the course of 1d10 days. Hmm. Hmm. So, suddenly these layers are not just cobalt layers. They're nasty, horrible, tentacle, eyeball. Like, it, it feels even worse Yeah. now. I feel like anyone who goes looking for a Beholder is an idiot. Like, I just... <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> It just sounds like a terrible time. And that's, <laughs> well, that's Megan's advice to the population. Listen don't to go this looking podcast. for them. Don't play this game. <laughs> um, when you're hunting a beholder, then and there, I mean, there's CR what thirteen. Yeah. When you go into the lair, you're you're in for some shit, right? Like mm-hmm. we haven't even touched minions yet. I just feel like I feel like they're just skull and crossbones. Just like, don't even. Fight just them. don't. Yeah. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> but the regional effect I like the most was the one you just talked about. But when the beholders asleep, that the cave writings and things will change. So if you guys ever had a dream where if there's like a book or something to read in the dream, it's just random words. Because well, you your can't mind, you can't read in a dream, right? Because yeah. your mind just can't create a novel it's like just that, images, right? Yeah. But I like that reflection going out onto the players. So if they so if they've got scrolls or books or whatever information they got for they're like it's just gibberish this doesn't make any sense like yeah. just random numbers now or something because that's that that dream effect that's being projected out into the lair yeah yeah you can do all sorts of weird stuff too when you know that the beholder's lair is nearby you can just have like it says weird random effects all the way through i would have it so the beholder's lair is difficult to find in the first place so your party's got to look around for a couple of days and weird shit just keeps happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, it's like kind of like the whole, and I've talked about it before, the labyrinth where like everything shifts and changes. Yeah. So it's almost like they're in the layer and then the beholder's asleep somewhere for some stupid reason and then it shifts and changes or just, and like... Well, and remember just... that when they dream, they can conjure other beholders and beholder kin into existence through their dreams. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I picked this up somewhere else. I'm going to touch on this later. They also maybe summon other beholders in. Like, you can summon beholders from the Far Realms. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that kind of how they birth new ones, essentially, is no, through their dreams? Or is yeah. it something different that no, you're no, talking about? No, no, no. They, they not only birth them, but you can straight up summon beholders. Another beholder. Another beholder okay. in. So, uh, a lot of the time it's a spectator, but... Um, so, it's a lesser beholder that you summon in, but... I thought it was more of like, a, I feel like fighting today. Let me get another beholder in here. This is going to be a good day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Be- beholders don't they don't want to fight another beholder because i mean why would you that's that's too much they want to they want minions i'm going to jump over to minions before we we sure. deal with the the treasure so there are three kinds of minions they get lesser minions greater minions and pets uh lesser minion is uh if a beholder 
um, is like an if a beholder's retinue is like an army, then the grunts would be represented by its lesser minions, intelligent creatures that can talk and usually live in large groups. They handle menial tasks of the beholder, such as hunting, scouting, and guarding their lair. So I guess they're more likely to send their minions out for them than they are to leave themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's also greater minions, which are formidable opponents. In the lair, they might be stationed where they can catch intruders in an ambush, or they could be a last line of defense against foes that threaten the inner sanctum. So these guys are just guards. Yeah. And then there's pets, which are usually low intelligence and are kept around because of their combat abilities, entertainment value, or trophy status. <laughs> which I absolutely love. And that, that stacks with Xanathar having his damn goldfish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that beholders have pets of low intelligence. I really, really like the idea of... You can see a lot of like awakened furniture and shit. Yeah. That it's keeping as pets. I just imagined a cave full of pigeons. But like, why pigeons. Why pigeons. not? Or, yeah. or just barbarians. We're talking low intelligence, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Touche. My, my pet barbarian. So there are charts here of the different kinds of these, um, these minions. I'm going to go through them really quickly. Tell me if anything feels weird to you on these lists. So the lesser minions, so these are the scouts and the hunters and whatnot. Bandits and bandit captains which are just going to be humanoids, um, bugbears and bugbear chiefs, cultists and cult fanatics, duragar, goblins and goblin bosses, grimlocks, hobgoblins and hobgoblin captains, kobolds and kobold inventors, and kobold scale sorcerers, which are in the uh, in volos. There are lizard folk, orcs and orc war chiefs, quagoths and troglodytes. I'm just imagining cultists being stoked to be there. <laughs> like like the cult of the beholder. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're just like they're like their life is goal is to find it and become a servant of it. And so I don't know. I just it'd be interesting. Yeah. Is there anything there that's, that feels really weird? Hobgoblins. Hobgoblins first. stood out. Yeah. I can't like bugbears. I get. Yeah. They're like oh this thing's powerful, more powerful than us. Let's go with it. Yeah. And I can see kobolds and duragar and and goblins like bowing down like you're more powerful than we are yeah, yeah. this will kill me yeah, yeah. hobgoblins just because they like order and they're so regimented in their approach i don't think that i can't see why they would appreciate the uh the paranoia and the chaos that kind of comes with beholders it doesn't seem to fit their uh well their beholders are lawful evil even yeah. though that there's the chaos of the eye rays they're lawful evil yeah so i mean is it just the general of their army but they spend so much time in the books talking about the the goblinoid horde coming together, the cry of the of Maglubiet, the the goblin god, you know, bringing all the hobgoblins and bugbears and goblins together. It feels weird that there would be a beholder yeah. at the front of that army. What I I do see why hobgoblins would be attracted to beholders though, because they're so regimented, strict rank structure. They know exactly. Who, okay, you are in charge of this person. This person won't dare go against you. So it kind of settles the paranoia. Yeah. Bit. I only deal with you. You deal with them. Perfect. Yeah. There yeah. would definitely be a, a law of order to it in the sense where if you step out of line, you will be killed. Right? So yeah. Yeah. they would almost be drawn to that, right? Okay. So so those are the those are the grunt level. So here are the lieutenant level. Balguras, which are big ape demons. Oh, yeah. Etans, fire, frost, hill, or stone giants, depending on the terrain. Sweet. Hook Horrors. Are you guys familiar with those? Yeah. Um, Manticores, Minotaurs, Ogres, Trolls, and Whites. 
White. Yeah, White surprised me as well. Undead, right? Yeah. I can see that if it's Death Tyranty, right? Or yeah. Zombie Beholder. Well, Zombie Beholders are kind of mindless. But they, yeah, they would not. <laughs> no. Um, but well, I could see White existing in the same cavern as a Zombie Beholder that's lost in there. Yeah. Got killed and was raised. But like, I don't see, I don't see whites running around for a for an average beholder. That seems odd to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I don't. I don't get the Ettens or not. The Ettens Ett- is the first one. I was like, why would a beholder? If a beholder can associate itself with frost giants and and the other giants that you mentioned there, I forget which ones you said. Like that would seem easier to work with than trying to corral Ettens. Well, traditionally speaking, I also play Ettens as really fucking dumb. Right. So that that might just be my Ettons are your worlds. Yeah, yeah. Are, are they're chaotic as fuck because they can never agree on anything and yeah. just sit there and slap fight with themselves forever. Balgura seems strange. Chaotic evil demons for a beholder. You don't think that a beholder would want to? That seems like that's just going to elevate the paranoia yeah. of trying to deal with chaotic evil demons. And well, they when, all have an agenda. Sorry, Megan. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it, I feel like it also plays in the sense where it would be a sense of pride to have that control over something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I guess if, if they've got them in some sort of magical chains or whatnot. Yeah, and... it's almost like this could. It's like yes, there's a sense of paranoia that it could turn on them, but the sense of pride and the fact that I've held this as long as I have and I control it. Yeah, would be I think more. I definitely understand that, but I also it's like why would if you're dealing with chaotic evil demons. You're tying yourself now in a way to the blood war, which seems it's that seems like a lot to deal with and behold it might not want to get involved with. I could see them hiring Yugoloths. Those things are just fucking mercenaries anyway from the lower planes, yeah. right? So anyway. Um and then for pets, they are things like basilisks, beholder zombies, chimeras, flesh golems, gazers, hellhounds, nothics, otiugs, ropers, and wyverns. Wyverns? Yeah, right. Weird. That one. That one stuck out to me too. Like, I'm like, you got to have a pretty big ass, open cavernous area for wyverns to hang out. I could also picture kobolds trying to feed the wyverns. Yeah. Yeah. You just did. I would. My logic would say that if you have wyverns, then if that beholder has wyverns, then there's likely no dragon anywhere close. Because I feel like if there was a dragon that had a territory close to the beholder, they'd be like, okay. Come on, they're mine. So <laughs> get it. Stop playing with my train set. Essentially, get yeah. your own thing. I could imagine if um, a beholder came across a lair that once belonged to a dragon and yeah. the wyverns and it, its old minions and servants were living in these tunnels. It would just take over. It would easily take over. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I like the basilisks as well because you're getting some funky stuff beyond eye rays that you're you're dealing with. And can I just? I mean, shout out to my ropers. I love ropers. Yeah, ropers are just. Well, they're the grappliest grapplers that ever grappled. Yeah, Megan doesn't like them very I li- much. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> I like them because they are so fucking annoying, to be honest. Yeah. Which, is, which is the same reason I hang out with you people, so. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I'm not apologizing. Um, so, as for the treasure, uh, it really divides, it says it divides its booty into five groups. Booty, Terry. Booty. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. That sounds awful, dividing it into five groups. <laughs> Just gotta pace yourself. <laughs> Tools, gifts, hazards, trophies, and clutter. It is like like booty calls. Tools, gifts, hazards, trophies, and clutter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a tool is any treasure the beholder can use as essentially personal gear. Um, 
because they can wear magic rings on their eye stalks or, you know, affix magic cloaks to their backs and stuff like that. I never even thought of that once in my life. Yeah, but... Oh, like, you guys, we talked about something earlier and it started to make me go down the, the path of pirates. I just imagined a pirate hat, maybe a patch a over the big eye. around his but, eye. <laughs> down the smooth, like, tunnels, I was thinking, like, sewer system, this beholder on, like, a little dinghy. That's it. We're talking about dinghies. <laughs> Down the sewer system with a pirate hat. I love it. Just riding his dinghy towards his booty. Just, just yes. One exactly. dead eye has an eye patch on it. Just no, no, the big eye needs a giant eye patch yeah. on it. Just fascinated because he become fascinated with pirates because of all of this stuff. And now he sails his little boat. I just picture the like the big maw opening up and there's like a gold tooth front and center exactly. too. Oh yeah. my god. Pirate life. Knocked his, <laughs> knocked his own tooth out because that's what pirates have. Um, and next, uh, after tools are gifts. Which is a treasure the beholder can't use itself, but it would consider useful to a minion, such as magic gloves, boots, armors, or an item that it can't attune to. Usually it gives gifts to make a minion more powerful and better at its job, but sometimes it can use gifts as rewards and incentives for exceptional minions, although it prefers to rule by coercion and fear. So that that tracks. Yeah. Um, I would never have him give a minion something that would make the minion powerful enough to challenge him. Yeah. I feel like he would give them items and tell them that they're magical items and they do certain things. Like, this makes you invisible. And then it doesn't. <laughs> but it's when just... you wear it, there's a little red blinking light. So yeah. I know where you are. <laughs> it's actually a tracking device. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is a hazard. So these are things that can be put up as offensive, defensive, or utilitarian um, as far as their capacity goes, um, they are skilled at repurposing cursed or dangerous items as elements of traps or obstacles in their lair, which is a load of fun for me. So what I would do, because you were talking about like the different traps that, and stuff they yeah. have, is just use a collection of previous adventurers, their items, their petrified teammates and just put them in the big net and then that's what falls on you so you are <laughs> killed by yes magic crack and sword that just fell on you as well as the statues as well as all the other gear yeah i like it yeah because the beholder can't use a magic great sword so it'll fall on you um there are also trophies which i don't feel the need to explain um but honestly they like to petrify and keep stone versions of the uh, or parts of their enemies that they've defeated Including, um, and it says this in a couple of places in the books, they like eye stalks of other beholders that they've defeated. Mm. So I can just picture a whole bunch of stone eye stalks, uh, like on a shelf, like I don't know, in their bathroom. Then they just like sit there and look at it and be like, I remember when I. Nope, it's just. This just looks like a fucking wall of dildos in my head now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm walking away. I was like, I, I don't want to burst this bubble, but you just made an island of dicks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Because remember, human fighter can't see in these times. No. What have you found? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no. This one feels scaly. Um, and then there's, there's clutter, which is treasure that has intrinsic value but isn't immediately useful to the Beholder or its minions, like, for example, currency, gems, jewelry, and magic items that nobody in the lair can use or use well. These are usually stored somewhere in the lair until they're disposed of, sometimes by distributing them among minions as gifts, other times just by disintegration. So if I can't have it and it's not useful to me, nobody gets it. Mm -hmm. Very well. So we've got a better idea now of how Beholders think based on their lair, which... Should be how all layers work, honestly. Like, you get a better idea of 
what the monster is. It should reflect the monster's yeah mindset. And that's your exploration pillar right there, because we always talk about how that gets falls off. But if you if the layer is just as important as the monster at the end of it, uh, then then you got a good exploration pillar there. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys have any uh, any hilarious insights to treasure or minions at all? Something that wasn't listed that you would like to add to the? No, I don't think you can cat dildo wall. So D- yeah. dildo wall wins. <laughs> I accidentally stumbled upon a dildo wall. No, but I, talking about ice dogs, though, I have this idea of magic items, which is if you can like cleanly sever one, there'll still be a charge in there that you can carry, like a one, like a one-time use one. You just got to flick the nerves or the tendon or something; it'll go off like the last shot. Well, I think with um, a lot of the um, petrification stuff, it doesn't actually turn the magic item to stone, mm. so it's still going to be there, sword in the stone style, where it's like clasped in a closed fist you got to break those fingers of that creature yeah to get that sword out or whatever the item is right so i like the idea of you see the previous adventuring party but there's like a cloak billowing on the back of it and that one's got a ring on and that one's got just a shiny diamond cod piece yeah and they've all got like like you can tell which ones are the magical items because that's the thing that's not in stone yes but you walk up you're like who dressed these? Yeah. <laughs> why did they? Why did they dress? And why the cod? <laughs> it's years and years of fashion change, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but but I really like the idea of you can have like a like a magical I don't know ear piercing for example like a you you said pirate something in a big gold hoop yeah right but you got to break that ear to get that off right yeah and so um, returning these guys back to flesh is not recommended once you steal their ship. Yeah, once you... Oh, yeah, that's a great point. But now there's a litter of magic items around. In the middle of the final battle, you can be like... Like, the previous ranger is there with bow drawn. Yeah. It's ready to go off. It's like, that's probably really awesome because they intended on using it. So, do I... I mean, it can't be that awesome because it didn't fucking work. It didn't work. Well, they didn't get a chance to fire it off. Break the fingers, it'll go off. Oh, well, now I'm obsessed. I actually like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty cool. But now I'm obsessed now with the idea of... A beholder now with a theme. Not necessarily just the ones we're going to talk about today, but to your point, a pirate theme. It's just, like, obsessed with pirates. So everything, it just looks like a pirate's lair. Mm -hmm. Or, like, it's obsessed with dragons. So everything around is, like, you'll find, it looks like a dragon's lair. Because there's, like, I want to mirror what this dragon's lair looked like. Because I loved the way it looked. (laughs) You have to call him... Captain Xanathar or whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> There's actually a section in Volos that breaks down what the Xanathar's guild is. Mm-hmm. And of course, Dragon Heist is all about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would assume that Xanathar's Guide to Everything has got little bits and pieces and like flavor text for it as well. So um, we're not going to get into that shit today. But yeah, I would assume that they all have. And because every beholder can look different, right? We talked about that in the last episode where they can be scaly or have weird set weird numbers of eyes and like they can all be radically different colors and slightly different sizes and the eye stocks can be in different places beholder to beholder so yeah. each one is unique and no one can see megan making faces at me as i say this oh, I so <laughs> i just like because like these things are born from nightmare fuel is right. the yes. way that i imagine them yeah so i really do wish there were sometimes people could see the facial expressions i make when people t- say things during these podcasts yeah. yeah but i just feel I, i'm a person who's prone to nightmares like i'm just a night yeah. terror person so when i think of these things and manifesting something from my nightmare and it becomes real this is what i imagine yeah, like, I just don't, like I don't want to know what my beholder would oh look my like. God, so 
It's just like, it's almost like if you came up to your own, like a beholder that manifests your nightmare, like what would it look like? Oh, that's right. That's fantastic. Though. So I've been, I, as soon as I started reading about these more, that's something I kind of wanted to figure out for myself from an art perspective. If I was to design a beholder that represented what my brain does, what would it look like? Mine would have a beard. Yeah, it'd just be one beard. Your beholder Every would have, eye my, 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 would have a beard on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not quite like that. But no, like, how come you don't see facial hair on the beholder? Yeah, fair one. I would take inspiration from, uh, like, Strahd or something and have, like, the eye stalks, like, slicked back. Like, the slicked back hair. <laughs> slick uh, I like that, too, because when he wants to shoot one off, it does the alfalfa from Little Rats. It just goes, goes up, up. And, comes up. and then goes back. Uh, no, I would want mine to be very Viking-themed. Like... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Again, you need a beard, though, on yeah, that one. But, like, weird random fur armor all over the place. I just feel like it'd be very strange. But yeah. I just think it's a weird concept. Everybody think about what your beholder would look like if it was to be your mind yeah. beholder. I would have the mouth on the underside of it. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Yeah, right? Because that just makes it a little bit creepier, doesn't <laughs> I it? Hate because that. it's just going to come down on top of you. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's the reverse sarlacc. It comes down from and then just, oh, like, with all those teeth. and oh. Yeah. You look up, you just see a circle of teeth. Like, just a sphincter of teeth. Just coming a down butthole of teeth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, let's let's go from butthole of teeth into uh, our monster breakdowns. Hi, everybody, it's Adam. Once again, we're dedicating a full episode to conditions and condition effects in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. And we can't have these conversations without discussing our old friend, Wildbot 3D. Wildbot 3D has really revamped their website since the last time we discussed them on the show, and you should definitely check out the updated options there. They still have those glorious tracker rings that display the conditions in 3D on your gaming table, and they fit so beautifully around standard medium-sized minis and cover nearly everything we've been discussing on these condition-heavy episodes. They're color-coded, easy to read, unique, and fun to add to all of your D&D games. I use them in my own game all the time, and I've come to rely on them to keep track of which character has what spell or condition affecting them. My personal favorite is the enlarged tracker, but they're all great for both DMs and players alike to buy. Monks that stun, clerics that curse, and warlocks that hex, there are tracker rings for you in here too. But Wildbot 3D offers more than just these tracker rings now. There are also unique character sheets for martial and caster classes, there's beautiful dice, and hilarious D&D themed t-shirts. My next purchase is going to be the Initiative Tracker Rings, which help display who's going in which order, and are incredibly useful for keeping track of multiple monsters on your map. These things are a game changer, so head on over to wildbot3d.com and check them out on Instagram. But for now, let's head on back to the discussion. Now we've got the... Two deathy ones, and then um, the the gauth as well. So the two deathy ones, the death-like ones. Yeah. So let's grab dice and let's roll and uh, and see who's going to cover what. Oh, what do I get? Three. Fourteen. Fourteen. I got a six. Megan, you're up first. What did you get? Um, I got the zombie beholder. So um, for these guys, uh, you'll find them actually in the zombie section, not in the beholder section of That's your book. That's right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the whole concept behind these guys is that they are resurrected beholders that have been killed. So physically, when you look at them, sometimes you'll see an eye stalk missing. To your point, it'll, they'll take an eye stalk off of it, or it, they've ruined one of the eyes in battle. And it, so sometimes they don't carry all of the rays that 
a normal beholder beholds. It'll only have what's basically left and remaining. Okay. So it does list what rays are remaining, mm -hmm. but I almost feel like if you were to build a, a zombie beholder as a DM, I feel like you could roll and pick and choose which ones are left. Yeah. I, I'd roll a D8 to see how many were missing in the first place. Yeah. So you always have a minimum of two. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't really customize it in giving it anything exceptionally new. It just said, this is what death rays are remaining after it becomes back to life. Other than, of course, having all of its undead zombie-esque traits. Sure. Um, so, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, for these guys to become a zombie, you have to be resurrected by something or someone. So yeah, you, you have to raise a zombie. Or just, you died in a cursed place that can do it as well sometimes. Yeah, so I'm thinking like in like a death cavern or something like that, where it just comes back to life because of whatever man magic is manifesting mm -hmm. in the area, and then that becomes its lair. Right? Yeah, I can see a a evil necromancer just walking by and being like, all right, come back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I walked in here to get that magic item that you had. I slaughtered you and all your minions. And on the way out, everyone's a zombie, so no one else gets the magic shit I left behind. Yeah. Yeah, To protect sure. it all. No, these guys are pretty cool and pretty scary in the sense that I feel like if I came across one, I would not want to just stare at it for mm -hmm. very long. Um, think Nightmare Fuel and heighten it by like 30. And yeah. That would be, in my mind, what it would look like. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll take it through a couple of its stats and then we'll get into a couple of other things. So for these guys, um, armor class 15. Um, a small, I feel like they, I didn't actually double check you guys. The hit points, they have the lowest hit points out of all of them, I think. Not no. lower than a gazer. Okay, yeah. And I'm not sure how it stacks up against a spectator, but it's low. You're yeah, right. Yeah, it's one of the lower ones in my mind. It's it's bit, it's seen battle. It's yeah. not exactly its full force, right? You're fighting a zombie at the end of the day. How many is it, Megan? Uh, it's a 93, which oh, is 11 Spectator's 39, standard. Oh, shit. 68 really? yeah. plus 12, yeah. Yeah, they're like the little. But what is your? What's the death turn? It's oh, get, get them. Okay, okay. Yours. All right, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, they have their hover fly speed of twenty feet. Um, and then for them, strength is only a ten, so it's only it's not even a factor for them. Dex is actually negative one. Constitution is plus three. They can kind of take a hit. Um, intelligence is negative four. Wisdom negative one, and charisma negative three for modifiers. Cool. Um, so, again, these are zombies. They're not yeah. necessarily mentally all there. No, uh, th that's the undead thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So. Um, so I feel like these ones are a little bit, in my mind, going to be more the erratic ones. So they're not going to be the ones that can pre-plan a lot. They're going to rely on the fact that the layer that's been built that they're in suits them. And if it doesn't, they might fix a thing or two. But I, I can't imagine them being smart enough to build a layer from scratch. They, Absolutely not. Are they... Paranoid? Do they have enough intelligence to be paranoid? Yes. So they're just like reactively paranoid. Yes. So like they're... they're everything's making them jump, and they're like, "Fuck." Well, hold yeah. on. Uh, we can know how smart they are based on their languages. What languages do they? They get? only have deep speech and um, sorry, uh, yeah, deep speech and undercommon. Can and they... it can't speak. But it can understand them. So yes. so it can it can still think. It has a high enough intelligence. Well, no, it's got an intelligence of three. It's a yeah. negative four, so it can't. You can't properly think, but it can follow commands. Exactly. So that's why I was going to get to the point of it being a zombie. If somebody raised this thing, it's really going to be a servant to something. Well, it was listed as... as a servant to other Yeah, other beholders. beholders. Right? So I like the idea, too, of these things being trapped in those tunnels outside of the main tunnels mm. that are spying in. So you just have this, like, almost like that, that popping the... As eyes are going from, like, in, in one hole and out the next. And it's just watching you all the way until you... Turn the corner, and there's the opening, and now there's a fucking zombie beholder. Yeah. <laughs> right? I love it. 
Um, and these guys, the, the thing that was added to them is the Undead Fortitude. So if damage reduces the zombie to zero hit points, it must make a constitution saving throw with a DC of five plus the damage taken, um, unless the damage is radiant or a critical hit. Um, and on a success, the zombie drops to one hit point instead. The DC is five plus the damage taken. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So if, if you're a higher level party that it's not getting back up it's not getting back up yeah. unless it's unless they get um uh radiant or a critical hit then it just it just works take, it just yeah. works so if you've got a paladin in the group or um you know your cleric or whatever throws a radiant damage on it then it doesn't have this ability okay. it kind of negates it so i feel like if you were going to go against a beholder and fight it this would probably be one of the easier ones to rid well of. it's still uh, what's the cr uh, it's still five I think that it's CR5 because it can't plan. Your tactics are shit. Yeah. Because it's just got... Reactive. It's got a bit of a beefy stat block. I mean, the, well, the stats themselves are not, but the hit points are good. The AC is still solid. Yeah. Especially for a CR5. And you still have fucking eye rays. I was say, you still have the right. So it's still a challenge to go against yeah. these things. I still will never recommend fighting a Beholder. Yeah. There will never be an instance where I say fight that thing. This is the Beholder, though, where the... It's a good introductory beholder because this is the beholder where the party is running the show. And then afterwards, you can have that conversation like, hey, if you fight like beholder proper, for example, you're not running the show there. Yeah. Like this one, this guy just can't think, can't, you can't strategize. I like the idea of it, you get new players that have never seen a beholder before and you present this beholder. You have to go kill the beholder. You can do it. And you, you get them all geared up at level six to go fight this thing and they do it. They come back like, hey, we did it. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you didn't. That was a, that was a zombie beholder. Yeah. yeah. Now you need to fight the real Beholder. It's time to train for the next seven months. Yeah. Because you're going to be proper fucked. Yeah, it's a good, like, warning shot at, like, an earlier group of, like, this is what you might potentially be fighting in the future. It's almost like if you know that your big bad evil guy at the end of the game is going to be a bigger Beholder. Yeah. Throwing these guys at them every once in a while as it's minions or it's just, like, they're just in the world naturally is a good inkling and a clue that that's going to be your big bad at the end give them that time to prepare mentally that they're going to have to fight this thing, right? I also really like them as as watchdogs, essentially, for death knights and mummy lords and shit like that. You're even vampires. They're a high enough CR that they're scary, but your level 20 party is going to stomp a vampire or mummy lord or whatever. You put a couple of these bastards in there, you're still undead themed. Yeah. But they're going to be enough random IRA bullshit to be almost an environmental hazard to trip over. Mm. As you got to deal with these two motherfuckers while you're fighting a vampire or something else like yeah. it makes it just a little bit a little bit scarier i just want to be there at the annual like undead being conference yeah just, right you're just all sitting there seeing like hanging out and being like hey like would you like to come hang out at my lair and like be join me and my team like yeah. i would just love to be at that conference who would be the keynote speaker for that conference Ooh. conference though? I don't know. I like, uh, if that's not the question, my question is the after party. And I just picture zombies on a dance floor, just slowly <laughs> rocking back and forth. Yeah. Just like, just like rhythmically back and forth waiting for, <laughs> w- w- waiting for someone to turn the lights back on. Uh, <laughs> what iRays come standard with? Oh, we got a conference full of white beholders. Great. <laughs> Good. Gary V's on stage going, kindness is key. Kevin, sit down. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Um, all right, so yeah, to your point, I raise the ones that are rules is written given to these guys is they have paralyzing ray, fear ray, enervation ray, disintegration ray. So those are the four that are given to it. A couple of those are pretty hefty. Yeah, right? they're not. They're not not scary. Yeah, I was expecting to see sleep 
and and some of the other, like fear ray doesn't really do much right yeah. it's an inconvenience more than anything else it that'll remove one person from the first round of battle yeah, i do feel right. like it checks out with how creepy and gross they look yeah. though and not just but i feel like they almost should have that as just fear should be something they can do in general as the type of creature they are i, I fucking miss fear auras yeah i feel like and i know that the that a lot of stuff gets um the frightened whatever is part of their multi-attack yeah but it really does feel like that should be just instinctively in there with undead yeah <laughs> yeah if this just appears you're gonna have to steal yourself for a second like it's yeah frightful presence i think should just be one of their abilities yeah no i think so too but uh but yeah so do you guys want to go through the details of the rays did you guys do that oh uh, yeah episode? no we went through all the rays and stuff yeah. in, the, in the last episode so... unless we run into something that's particularly unique yeah um so I really think this is a CR5 for every single one of these um, these rays that we would add on. I would be raising that CR in my mind. Yeah. If you're going to even put this in a Beholder tunnel, I don't think you'd give your lair actions, right? No. Because the Beholders died. And if 1d10 days later, it all fucking fades, right? So you yeah. don't get your regional, you don't get your lair actions, but you're still in the Beholder. Like, you're still climbing up shit, and, and there's going to be undead minions around, and there's... Traps are still going to be active. Like it's still fucking difficult yeah. in here. Yeah. So um, this could be run. I don't know. I could call this a CR nine. Oh yes. Sometimes easily yeah. depending on your again your your environment where you are and what's going on. It could be very hard. And you think about this as well. Your average wizard who's not put anything into into constitution at all at level <laughs> five has at best thirty hit points. And what does a disintegration ray do? Uh, disintegration ray. Uh, is if the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 14 dex saving throw or take uh, 10d8 force damage. That will outright fucking murder your yeah, wizard. I'm telling yeah. you now, it's unlikely that that low level wizard is passing a DC 14 dex save. Yeah. 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 yeah, and the shitty part is, is that this reduce damage reduces the creature to zero hit points. The body becomes a fine gray pile of dust. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm also imagining like a, a good... like Dan's character come back and snorting yeah. that fucking dust up. Oh, yeah. I always imagined it like Thanos style. That's how I imagined it. Just like feathers off into the just... distance. Yeah. But you're in a tunnel where there's probably no wind, so just you just breathe it in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't much care for it. Um, but that's pretty much the zombie beholder as a whole. So general opinions and thoughts. Do we like? Do we hate? I got no problems with zombie beholders. I think that they're. They are almost more versatile than the average beholder because you, I can drop one of these motherfuckers in the middle of an undead campaign, yeah. the, an undead themed portion of a campaign. You guys know that you're heading into the Shadowfell, or I can drop a zombie beholder in the bottom of Strahd's lair. No, and yeah, it's going to put it in Ravenloft yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I have, I really like zombie beholders minion style as well. I've never really thought about them as a proper CR five thing to go up against. Because they seem a little like they're they're hitting above their weight class, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's true of the Beholder as well. They say CR thirteen, but that's if you're not doing it right. Yeah. Those guys will fuck your world. I I like the idea of this being um, a Beholder that was defeated by a Death Tyrant because the Death Tyrant's ray will bring you back as a zombie. So I like that that the party thinks that they're out to look for this Beholder that's had the flesh stripped from their skull and blah blah and like the description. They come across the zombie beholder and it's like, 
Okay, well, that kind of fits what we're looking for. It's Perhaps it's this, but it's not. <laughs> it's the Death Tyrant that beat that original Beholder is still in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. Okay, so up next uh, is me. I'm dealing with the Gouth, which is found in um, Volos. So... I didn't know anything about these guys before I started looking into them, and one of my favorite things about them is their central eye is surrounded by a bunch of smaller little eyes, uh, almost at random. It made me want to vomit. Yeah, they. <laughs> what is that? What is that phobia that the uh, trypto? Oh, the phobia of like holes and things. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. yeah. That shit makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I can handle it if if it's got some sort of method to the madness. I'm fine with the beehive. Beehives are totally cool, but when you see like. Like sponges, yeah. sponges make my skin crawl. It never used to bother me until I started to look into that. Yeah, what you're talking about, and then it did. I was like, like oh. it's yeah. almost like you see like the the far end of what these images could look like versus what you yeah. see in nature, yeah. and then it just makes nature look worse than it actually is. I I ran across a video of bot flies, and that was the end Whoa. for me. Yeah, there we go. So now we're on the same page. <laughs> this guy has holes at random around his major like central eye. At random, like bot fly holes, but with eyeballs sticking out of them. Brilliant. Yep. Uh, also, the artwork form has like a big ass fucking lower jaw hanging off of it. Yeah. So, like, I'm getting a really cool um, traditional skull shape out of out of this guy. But um, they've got a couple of unique things about them. First and foremost, is a Gauth is a hungry, tyrannical, beholder-like creature that eats magic, and it tries to exact tribute from anything weaker than itself. Um, it has six eye stalks, a central eye, and four small grasping tentacles near its mouth. It has, this is your, like, favorite thing oh. ever. It is <laughs> the worst thing you could ever come across, Megan. It has color and texture variations similar to a true beholder. So, um, they have a magical metabolism. It can survive on meat, but prefers to sustain itself with power drained from magic objects. If it starves for several weeks then it will just go back to its home plane. It's like, it'll be forced back there. Right. Um, where it can actually get actual sustenance. Um, it is consistently looking for new items to drain. Uh, it might employ creatures to serve it by bringing its items, uh, by bringing it items that provide it with that sustenance, but I think for the most part, these guys hunt. Do, do these items strengthen it? Is in that if it gets like a very rare magic item, it, it'll make it stronger in some way than just like, common magic item no i i think that the thing about it is they they straight up devour i'm gonna go through it they've got to sure. devour magic ray okay i'll get to that a little, mm. in a little bit later um they can also be accidentally summoned now you know how we talked last time you can summon spectators yeah sometimes if the summoning spell does not go well these gouths will jump in instead Ugh. sometimes um several minutes after the fact so that's how that's how I kind of read that they come into existence. Is that's yeah. mostly usually how they're created? Is like a botched like a botched summoning. Spell, yeah. And so I'm just imagining this blob of nonsense coming out, and you're like, ah, yeah. shit! Throw it out in the trash and start again. Like and then, somebody broke the material component. They're like, just stick it together. And sure, it's gonna work. It's, it's fine. It'll it's a fine. wand held together by tape. Yeah. They'll, oh they're my never god. gonna know. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's the thing that I want now. My every from now on, every I uh, identify wand. Every wand of identify is going to be a severed, petrified beholder stock. Sure. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Um, so when you accidentally summon them, they will often try to pass as a true beholder. Come here, like, there's something not right about this beholder. <laughs> it's got like the little eyes coming out of it. Ugh. 
Um, they are considered inferior, and they usually um, go up against, uh, if they run into a Beholder, rather, the Beholder will just drive them away. Um, it might choose to enslave one of these Gouts and use them as lieutenants, um, but they're less xenophobic than Beholders. I talked about a Beholder Hive last time. Mm. I could see a bunch of these guys working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so here are the stats. They're considered medium. They're lawful evil. Um, their armor class is 15. Their hit points are 68 standard, but it's 98 plus 27, so I would have it be a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. They get their regular 20-foot fly, um, and they hover. Their strength is entirely average. Their dex and con and intelligence and wisdom are all slightly above, and their charisma is pretty average as well. Um, they get perception plus 5, because of course they do. They're a beholder. I think they're all immune to being prone. Yeah. Yeah. Because you knock them down, and they just float right back up again. Uh, dark vision is 120 feet, passive perception is 15. They speak deep speech and undercommon. Their central eye has a stunning gaze. So instead of the anti-magic field, you fucking stun people. 30 feet um, with a cone, and you have to make a DC 14 wisdom save. Now, this only works if y- the gouth is not incapacitated and the creatures can see them. And it works kind of like uh, Medusa rules. Where you can avert your eyes at the beginning of your turn and get disadvantage on your attacks for right. that turn. Um, but if you are surprised, so it goes first in the if it goes before you in the first round of initiative, then you are technically have a surprised condition. And so it's going to to um, get you like you can't avert your eyes right. at the time, right? Yeah. But you can at the beginning of every other turn, even though you are stunned, you can technically look away. Yeah. Um also, my favorite thing, and I wish more monsters did this, it gets death throws. When the Gouth dies, the magical energy within it explodes. And if you're within 10 feet of it, you got to make a DC 14 dex save or take 3d8 force damage. Yeah, I, I wish that it. was in the game more. We see it in uh, Baylor, I think has that. Yeah. Explodes. Yeah. Yeah, there are a bunch of demons and devils and shit that, that do that. Like, we see that with fiends, but I would like angels to do that too. Yeah. Enough, they just hit you with radiant damage. Bright light of... Yeah. Um, so they get uh, three magic eye rays, and of course they get a bite, which is pretty standard. Um, the ones that we've seen before are Enervation Ray, Paralyzing Ray, and Sleep Ray. They get all of those. They also get Fire Ray, which just does 4d10 fire damage if you fail a DC 14 deck save. They get a Pushing Ray, which is exactly what it sounds like, but it's a DC 14 strength save, or you're pushed up to 15 feet. Uh, and they have the Devour Magic Ray. So here's your answer, Terry. The targeted creature must succeed on a DC 14 Dexterity saving throw or have one of its magic items lose all magical properties until the start of the Gauth's next turn. So it just leeches for six seconds. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. If the object is a charged item, it permanently loses 1d4 charges as well. Hmm. And um, you have to determine which item is affected randomly, which is... Is always a pain in the ass as a DM. Hand me your character sheet so I can choose a thing. Because then it's not random. Now I'm choosing. So I'm like, I'm yeah. rolling dice and I'm counting one, two, three, four, five through the magic item. Like it's, I've done this before and it's always a pain in and the ass. And it depends what system the, the player is using. Like they yeah. might have their backpack stuff different to their holdings. So, yeah. 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 Um, but you're supposed to randomly, um, or you're supposed to ignore all of the single use items. Right. Okay. So potions and scrolls and shit like that aren't part of this so how do we rule this as a dm what if what if it's in a backpack or a bag of holding or something does is it something i'm holding like i have to do i have to be wearing it or if it's buried deep back here can i 
can the beholder still target that? It says that um, one of the, its magic items loses all magical properties. So it doesn't say you have to be holding it or not yeah. holding it, which it often does. I'm going to say that this thing feeds on magic so it can sense it. So it's going to pierce through backpacks and shit. Normally I would say it has to see it, but yeah. these guys are all about magic items. I'm going to let it, because it only lasts for a round. If it's in your backpack, it's still fine. Yeah. By the time you reach for it to grab it, it's okay. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's really, really only bad when it's your armor and your um, your weapon. But even your armor, everything here is save mechanic. The thing rarely fucking bites. If it's going to bite, it's going to do it instead of using its rays. And if it gets its rays off, then it can't bite until the next turn. But you already have your armor back. Yeah. Right? So this is really only useful to cripple a magical item for one round. Or to suck up charges off of a wand. Yeah. yeah. But it's not really debil- like debilitating in some way. No. You, I really wish it was more debilitating. Yeah. yeah. But that's why this thing is a CR6. Because it's annoying. The stunning gaze stops you. The death throws. It's only... Um, sorry. It's only 3d8. Yeah. Like there's not much there. Even at, at level 6. 3d8 is going to round out to be, what, 10? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is the annoying little brother to a beholder, where it's just like, I'm just as strong as you, but it's just annoying as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But, I mean, the innervation rate only does 4d8. The fire rate does 4d10. And really nothing else here is doing a whole lot of damage. It's just hit point tax, is what I see. As Okay, you're just going to get taxed some hit points on the way to the beholder. I feel like he's going to send this guy out while he's escaping out of a back tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. So when you gear up to fight the Beholder this time, you're going to learn... I think you're going to have to try to hunt this Beholder down three or four times. Of course, the fucker doesn't leave tracks. Yeah. Because he hovers. Right? So it's going to be a constant thing to hunt this Beholder down over your campaign. And he's always going to have one of these little bastards to to trip you up. Yeah, that's right. And because it's going to be tight tunnels, you're probably going to have to deal with it. Like, you could say, okay, well, I'll try and move past it. But there's going to... You know, he's going to... Reactions, he's going to get people along the way. It's likely the weaker characters, wizards... Is going to have trouble with this. He just needs to get one or two shots off mm-hmm. to deal with that wizard. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super blown away with this guy. But I like him as appearing for your level, I don't know, four party that tries to summon something. And this guy pops up. I am a beholder. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. And now you're all terrified for the next, you know, three or four sessions. And it turns out it's just one of these motherfuckers. Summoning <laughs> is something that I would like to explore more with. With PCs, yeah, is that there's two things I want to explore. I want to explore alchemy, but that's not the time for it, and and summoning as well. I think that they should be tempted to try and do that sometimes with different things, um, because fun little things like this can come up. It could be the best thing ever happens. Oh fuck! Now we have to deal with this. Yeah, that's yeah. like summoning with alchemy. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, there's still reward to come from it though, right? Because there's still eye stalks and stuff you can take from this creature. Oh my god! Just summoning them so you can take its eye stalks. Like, this is getting dark. No, but that. <laughs> But that's like, you know, like, when, you know how it goes the night before the battle, everybody has an idea or whatever. One person just goes, look, I think I know how we may be able to get our hands on a fire ray. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I thought was really weird about these guys is it says that they've got these six eye stalks, but they've got these four tentacles. There's no mechanic for the tentacles. That's right. That's true. And I really want them Good. to be grabbing things and throwing them in their mouth. Because it's the tentacles that are around its mouth. I give them 10-foot reach to grapple. 
Why yeah, not? and then use, I don't know, probably the bite, more or less. Yeah. Um, but you have to do, I don't know, DC, what, 13? Some sort of escape check to get out. Megan's not having any of this it. shit, no. <laughs> and they're, but they're not, they're at, like, 10 strength and 14 decks, so I mean, it's not going to be too much of a problem anyway, but it's just fucking annoying, isn't it? To yeah. Deal with it, so. so, okay, before we jump into the last one, um, I want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. You can also reach out to us through our email at info at itsamimic.com because we love hearing from you guys. And any questions that you send us will get added to the lists for our upcoming mailbag episodes. So, now that I've sold my soul a little bit more, Terry, <laughs> what do you got? I'm covering the Death Tyrant cool. today, friends. Yeah, um, Death Tyrants could be confused with Beholder Zombies at first glance, but they are very different. Death Tyrants are a form of undead uh, Beholder, similar to zombies that retain some of their innate magic abilities. Um, they're often used by wizards as, as, as more powerful guardians. Uh, they were almost never encouraged near, sorry, encountered near other Beholders um, who find them quite repugnant because they're giant floating skulls with spectral red eyes that have had the flesh stripped from them. But they still hover around. How does that sound, Megan? You looked, hate it. You <laughs> Nightmare fuel. Yeah. So there's no stalks. There's just these spectral red. I'm gonna have lights. Megan on every aberration episode moving forward <laughs> now. But I'm starting to lean towards that cosmic horror. Yeah. Way. Yeah. I've kind of done the gothic horror with Strahd and things. I still love that. I love that to death. Uh, oh. See to death. There? Oh. 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 Oh god. But I like this now as well. Uh, so their behavior, death tyrants uh, retain enough of their intel- intelligence to be capable of performing complex commands. When not taking orders or if faced with a situation that was not detailed in their orders, they would attempt to destroy any living creature that wasn't expressly identified as off limits. They will kill you if they think they can, or if they think they're allowed to, or if they have not been told to not to, yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah. If they've um, not been told to not to. What yep, is that? I'm what with is, you. Yep, that, that works? Yep, yep you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's them going, well, you didn't not tell me to. Uh, 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 okay, you're right. <laughs> if an accident was made during their creation, death tyrants are known to go into a rogue state. Death tyrants in this rogue state are incapable of being commanded by any means, even spells. So if you fuck up the creation or the summoning of the Death Tyrant, they're going to do what they want, whenever they want, which is kill you as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. In combat, unlike the gaze of a Beholder, which disables any uh, any magic where a Beholder was looking, a Death Tyrant's gaze caused recovery to become impossible. So basically you can't regain hit points if you're under if you're under the Death Tyrant's gaze. Don't we know it? <laughs> Yay! Yay! We'll, Yay! We'll tell the story afterwards. We'll, we'll tell the yeah. story afterwards. I've had very, well, we've all had personal experience with Death Tyrants. Uh, but let's take a look at their stats. So they're large undead, they're lawful evil, their armor class is 19 with their natural armor. They have standard hit points of 187, which works out to be 25d10 plus 50. Speed 0 feet because they can't walk, but they can fly for 20 feet. Um, strength of 10, dex 14, con 14, intelligence 19, wisdom 15, and charisma 19. Yeah, these guys are not dumb. They're no, not, they're not just, dumb. They're not just undead zombies, right? That's right. Yeah, they're saving throws through strength, con, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Um, skills have perception plus 12. Immune to poison uh, and condition immunities, charmed, exhaustion, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and prone. Look, they're difficult... To, to hurt. They're difficult to do things to. Um, they have dark vision for 120 feet, passive perception of 22, they speak deep speech, and undercommon. Their CR is You are 14. never going to sneak up on these guys. No, no. you're not. 
No, you're not. I love that what like the the CR is fourteen. When a beholder dies, it gets more powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll go into detail on their negative energy cone then. So the Death Tyrant's central eye emits an invisible magical 150 foot cone of negative energy. And basically it just means that you cannot regain hit points while you're in that cone. Uh, so if you're playing the cleric, if you're playing cleric properly, not how I play cleric, you're going to have to think a little bit better um, if your job is to be healing the party. For their actions, they have bite, of course, it's hit 14 or 46 piercing damage. And their eye rays are, and you stop me if there's any eye ray that you want to explore in a little bit more detail or remind the people at home about. They have a charm ray, a paralyzing ray, fear ray, slowing ray, enervation ray, telekinetic ray, sleep ray, petrification ray, disintegration ray, and a death ray. They have 10 rays. Yeah, so that is pretty much exactly the same, I think, um, as the beholder, let's go, uh, charm to charm, paralyzing to paralyzing, fear to fear, slow to slow. Yeah. Enervation to enervation, telekinetic to telekinetic. And of course you get 300 pounds or less for telekinetic sleep, sleep, petrification. Yep. Disintegration and death. It's so it's the same rays, but, um, let's look at the DCs on them. 16. Yeah. The DCs go up by one. Yeah. What about this with the telekinetic ray? Because now, in a way, we have to have some idea of encumbrance. If I'm a 220-pound barbarian carrying my backpack, I insist on having three great axes strapped to my back. You know, we're going to be getting close to that 300-pound limit. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, a, you know, a, a paladin wearing heavy armor. So what's the ruling on that? Do you, do you give the players a break a little bit? Do you be like, okay, you're probably around 300 pounds? Or do you, do you pay attention to encumbrance with that? Honestly, it says that if uh, the target is an object weighing 300 pounds or less, that it um, that it that isn't being worn or carried, hmm. it is moved up to 30 feet in any direction. Okay, well there you go. That's simple. Yeah. It. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Right there. I honestly, until you said that, I'm like, well, what do you do with with horses and carts? And yeah. Shit too, right? Like they're going to be weird outliers for this, and uh, I'm going to. I'm going to say that it moves at uh, 10 feet instead of 30 mm-hmm. if it's if it's within 600 pounds, right? Sure. Like, yeah. Just enough that you're still going to feel the effect of that ray, but not the the full effect of it. Yeah, that's right. Um, the Death Tyrant does have one legendary action that it can take. Well, it has three legendary actions and it can do it three times. Uh, but the Death Tyrant uh, can use one random eye ray at the end of somebody else's turn. Very difficult to face in combat. And I'll tell you for why. You already know. <laughs> for why? Because my character died from one of these in its lair when my party had abandoned me, left me alone uh, to fight this death tyrant alone, and then conveniently showed up six seconds after my character's death. And it bothers me. And then you raised as a zombie. And then I was raised I was as a zombie. I was beside you when you died. Yeah, Megan was right there. Dan was fucking off somewhere else. We had our necromancer up top. You're having a battle of words with a mage. I yeah. came back for you. So don't even say you were down there by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to get into the lair at all? Because Death Tyrants actually have unique lairs. Uh, no, no, it's on the it's previous on, page. It's on the previous page? Yeah. Oh, I found it. I was looking for lair. Oh my god, it's over there. I was like scouring the internet for information on layers because I was like, why isn't it in the friggin' book? It was the page before, but I didn't look there. Okay, but it's okay. I can read. Uh, <laughs> fucking idiot. I'm like, the index says it's on page 29. This when we says- say it's the It's Mimic Podcast, we never know what you're going to get. I'm actually talking to the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Adam likes to throw things at us on a regular basis. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> Physically and 
metaphorically. Well, let's take a look then. Let's talk about Death Tyrant's Lair. So Death Tyrant's Lair is usually the same site it was held as a beholder, but it contains more trappings of death and decay. Yay! <laughs> In those words. It gets more dark It's the same, it. but there's more trappings of death and decay. A Death Tyrant encountered in its lair has a challenge rating of 15. Wow. So that goes up by one, which is good. Yes. Uh, when fighting inside this lair, a Death Tyrant can invoke the ambient magic to take lair actions. On initiative count 20, losing if it's tied, the Death Tyrant can take one lair action to cause any of the following effects. Check these out. An area that is a 50-foot cube within 120 feet of the Tyrant is filled with spectral eyes and tentacles. Uh, to creatures other than the Death Tyrant, that area is lightly obscured and difficult terrain until initiative count 20 on the next round. That just sounds... Not disgusting, because it's not ice dogs, but, like, disturbing. Yeah. Yep. Disturbing. I don't like that. Um, well, I like it, but also don't like it. Uh, I like it when I'm a DM. Yeah. Yeah. This next one here is all for you, Adam, though, I think. So. Yes. Wall sprout spectral appendages. <laughs> that is the dream. Until <laughs> initiative count Are we 20. back to the wall of penises? Wall yeah, we're back to the wall of penises that the human fighter can't see. <laughs> What do your elven eyes see? I, 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 I don't, I, I don't want to. <laughs> Any creature, including one on the ethereal plane that is hostile to the tyrant and starts its turn within 10 feet of a wall, must succeed on a DC 17 deck save or be grappled by the penises. Escaping requires successful DC 17 strength, athletics, or dexterity acrobatics check. Even on the ethereal plane. You can't even go to another plane to escape this. Really. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's gross. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You don't see a lot of that, like the mention of the ethereal plane with some of these no, monsters. No, you don't. If I was going to play, if the player did go to the ethereal plane, I would have it so that the spectralized you can see the stalks. Mm-hmm. Now, a little bit of flavor to it. Um, a spectral eye opens in the air at a point within 50 feet of the tyrant. One random eye ray of the tyrant shoots from that eye, which is considered to be an ethereal source at a target of the tyrant's choice. The eye then closes and disappears. Sure. Yeah. Okay, I like that one. I actually like them, though. I do. There's regional effects as well, if you guys would like to hear them. Um, no. So- <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> I'm trying to make it conversation-like for the people at home. Creatures within one mile of the tyrant's lair sometimes feel as if they are being watched even when they aren't. When a creature hostile to the tyrant and aware of its existence finishes a long rest within one mile of the tyrant's lair, roll a d20 for that creature. On a roll of 10 or lower, the creature is subjected to one random eye ray of that tyrant. So you're just chilling the night before you go and fight this death tyrant, yeah. and you just get shot in the dick with a random eye ray. Yeah. That's what happens. It doesn't have to be the dick, Megan, of course. Well, I mean, it has an obsession with dicks. It makes walls of them, yeah. so. Right. <laughs> but that's fucking yeah, itself, isn't it? So, yeah, comments on those at all. I think I, I'm just really getting into this Far Realms cosmic horror type because it just, it gives me the true shivers and disgust that the gothic horror doesn't give you. Gothic horror, it, because we can play so lightly with it sometimes and we've seen it yeah. so much, this is like you can't comprehend this fucking weirdness that's happening. You can't make this sexy. I think that's the difference. Challenge right. accepted. <laughs> that's right, but Japan will try. <laughs> Japan will try. I'm not convinced. <laughs> No, and I also feel like the Death Tyrant, the way I imagine it is because it's it's an old beholder that's old, it's aged, it's seen some shit, it knows what's going on, it's seen your tactics, which is why it can't really be fooled. It's like an old man version of a beholder. Right. That is shaking its cane at kids. Yeah, so I just feel, that's it's just so frightening in that sense, where it's just this knowledgeable, skeletal, creepy 
psychological bullshit. And I just can't imagine what this thing's dreams are. Yeah. Because of the shit that it's seen, right? Things that we can't even comprehend. Yeah. So you got to get really... Like, you could dive into this and try... Get real fucked up with your thoughts, method actor style, but it's like you almost don't want to go down there, though. Yeah, sure, okay. Adam does. Adam loves Adam. (laughs) This is the darkness that you live in. (laughs) Yeah, um, I fucking love Death Tyrants. Oh, brilliant. Because not only did you, did I kill Terry's character entirely by accident, I was like, uh oh. Uh oh, because you were not there. You were up top, and you came. You descended down a fucking rope directly I, into its. I jaws. didn't expect it to happen either. No. Bless him, Solomon Duke. Um, was yeah. I just thought I was just reconnecting with the rest of the party, and he wasn't there before, and like it was completely fair how the whole thing was played out. But I was like on a rope. I was like, great, next turn I'll be there, and then boom, all of it happened all at once. I and, was like, what the fuck? You just got happened? hit by the wrong rays. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. You were it's very poetic, really. It, so we had we had dope on a rope for there for a moment, yes, and it was that's right. like you came right down, and Megan, poor Megan, just like eyes wide watching it happen in slow horror. Um, the thing that I really want to see is a death tyrant burst from a beholder, where the where the skin just kind of sloughs off of it, oh, and all of the eyes burst, and there's just like a red light where the eye used to be, and it and starts to like dripping blood and gore and stuff rises up out of a, out of the fleshy sack of beholder skin. Right. Have that happen in front of your party. Yes, absolutely. Oh my like, god. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we defeated the beholder. Yay. Then this happens. Then this happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you've seen my final form. <laughs> That's some kind of Dragon Ball Z shit right there. Um, do you guys want to roll initiative and, and say, like, do you have any unique encounters or, or fun ideas about how to use these fuckers? Yeah. Sure, let me consult my notes. Two. I got to five. Ooh. I got a nat 20. All right, Terry. Right, you're up first. Sure. Um, in my notes under Death Tyrant Opinion, I wrote, prevention from healing is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to put that in there. <laughs> and then I actually wrote lol beside it in my own writing. <laughs> um, I had an idea where um, an especially because you know uh, beholders create other beholder kind from yeah. their dreams, from their nightmares. I had it that a beholder, an especially troubled beholder, is creating death tyrants from its nightmares. But this, for whatever reason, PTSD beholder is running away. So it's not staying in a lair. It's moving around the world trying to escape these nightmares that it keeps creating because of its paranoia. But it's leaving these death tyrants everywhere it goes. And those death tyrants are what's fucking up the world and causing all the problems. But the party doesn't really have any justification to kill the beholder that's creating them because that beholder isn't actually causing any problems. So it would just be outright murder to something which isn't isn't in itself a threat to the world. So it becomes almost like this therapy campaign where they have to <laughs> get to the root of the trauma for the beholder to stop it from creating death tyrants. <laughs> so it was like, what if you couldn't kill a beholder because you had no justification? What if you just had to give it some therapy? How is that going to go? Just talk to it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to its feelings. So, yeah. Do you really want to know what a beholder's feelings yeah, are? So that, that's my idea. You don't really have any justification to kill this beholder. It's just fucked up it's yeah. just seen some shit and it keeps creating death tyrants or whatever whatever kind you like it's having a bad day do you guys think there's anywhere we can go with that can, can uh, look, do that? I really like that so we, we see that there's undercommon listed as a language all of the time for these yeah. guys right because they are just everywhere in the underdark 
They yeah. love the Underdark. So when they're under there, I can I picture one of the Elder Brains from the Elithids, from the Mind Flayers, right. mm-hmm. which has this big like psychic radius and shit, but it, it infiltrates people's minds and fucks with their perception and shit. That's the trauma. The beholder doesn't know if it's awake or asleep. Right. Everything's always going wrong. It's reliving all of its worst things over and over again. The elder brain is just fucking with it. But because it's got like a like a range, they can't they're not on the same level, right? Like there's there's rock between them, they can't get to each other. Right. The the elder brain knows the beholder's there, but the beholder doesn't. So the beholder's just constantly spawning fucking horror out of its brain all of the time because the beholder does not know what's going on and the real Trauma here is the fucking elder brain. Yeah, I love it. That's how that's how I would I would play with that. What about the hold of this? But being put into a deep sleep state, like it's almost comatose, and so you're just living the nightmares of this beholder that can't wake up. I could see it being an evil big bad that traps a beholder to get its brain created to create these giant kind of yeah, plus it's a constant state of sleep, so yeah. that you could, it's you could see what it creates. Mm-hmm. And like it would be like the riskiest thing in the world, but that'd be really cool to just. Oh, uh, that's a really cool thing for your your big bad whatever your nihilist character that just wants to end the fucking world because yeah we're going to bring the far realms here, and the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to have some anti magic impenetrable force field. You need the so and so MacGuffin to break it down, but inside of it is the sleeping beholder, Ugh. and slowly the world is warping. So these regional effects just get further and further out. It's all getting amplified. And there's little beholder kin popping up. But also all the weird aberrations and trees are becoming tentacles and that are like massive 25 foot tall tentacles rooted out of the ground and shit. And you're slowly warping it into this far realms um, infection. Yeah. And eventually it's going to be so corrupt and defouled that it'll open a gate and everything will come rushing through. I hate it, but I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> yeah, but you see it spread like a game of risk as well. Yeah. As, as another beholder kind of... One more village yeah. falls, right? Yeah. You don't know about it until... And, like, I would have this thing floating in town square. You can see it. You can't do sweet fuck all about it. Yeah. Right? Anti-magic field all the way around. I don't care how creative you are. You're not getting through this thing, right? The Tarrasque would step on it, and then the bubble around it doesn't pop. Yeah. So you would have... Yeah, I and that I guess that would be the point. You have to become powerful enough to penetrate this shield, and when you are, you got to walk through this horror fucking Doctor Zeus realm. Yeah, of of horrible, disgusting. It's like bringing Call of Cthulhu shit. into the fifth edition world. Well, honestly, I mean, spoiler alert: we see that at the end of um, Icewind Dale, and we see it in the adventure in um, Acquisitions Incorporated. Like, there's a lot of that shit that's already in fifth edition. But we're not really looking directly at it. It's it's that's not what fifth ed is for. Yeah, really. But it's definitely there if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's next? I think I was next. You. Um, I really like the idea of having beholders and beholder kin vying for power. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, a number of different beholders that are trying to be the powerhouse in the realm. And your guys are mercenaries being hired out and kind of, you know, the political intrigue campaign, but it's all fucking beholders. And we've got 19 gouths over there creating a hive and two beholders that can stand each other a little bit over here. There's a death tyrant just fucking shit up underneath the mountain, right? Like, and they're, they're all trying to become the most powerful one of these 
This is one of those situations where the players you end up working for three of them at the same time. Yeah, they absolutely. all don't like each other, but it's the only way. It's, it's like and they're so paranoid. Yeah, that they're gonna send like your NPC that goes along with you is one of the minions keeping tabs. Yeah, but oh. I, th- those social encounters where it's like do this for me, work for me, or I kill you. In the short term, you have to agree. But one character is going. Don't we already work for a beholder? Yeah. H, shut the fuck up. Kevin, Let's just get out of here. Down. Let's get out of here. We'll figure that out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea too of like its pets are fucking ropers, right? So you yeah. get escorted in past these giant. I can't remember stalagmites, stalactites. I don't know which one's, one it is. One, one's the other. Yeah. yeah. So you walk by and suddenly an eye fucking opens up inside of it and watches you, and you don't know if that's a layer effect or a fucking roper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, just crazy shit all the time. You're getting paraded through these layers, and you, you're you not out to destroy everything. You're just seeing how goddamn weird it is And here. we And we still have opportunity for a lot of variety with this, because you can have, like, the, the undead, um, you know, beholder with all of their sort of undead minions, but then you can have the ropers and, and more traditional sort of stuff there. But you can have the Beholder that's taken over the Dragon Lair. So now you have all of the Kobolds and the Cultists and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you can still have that adventure variety. And if you don't think the Beholders are varied enough for you to do this, remember that you get alternative rays listed in Volo. So you can Mm -hmm. replace some rays with others. That's right. So you can kind of build themes like you were saying about pirates, mm-hmm. Megan. So you well, can have the different. Terry was talking about pirates. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> but but yeah, if you're sick and tired of there being a bunch of like enervation rays, you can get create undead or polymorph or like they can get really fucking weird, right? And so having having some that are uh, one of them is lawful neutral just cause yeah, but that's not even a good thing either because it's still a fucking beholder, yeah. right? With its it's it's lawful neutral. And my law is the is the way it goes. Don't. Don't fuck with my law. Yeah. Right? So I I like the political intrigue of beholders everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get one of them into power. Kind of like, I guess Out of the Abyss did that, where you had to choose which one of the demon lords at the end that you had to What's like the rise. okay evil? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which one are you prepared to handle? Yeah. Yeah. And every time that you knock one of them back, all of the others get more powerful. So this is a balancing act for the entire campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the idea is that at the end, one of them would be so fucking powerful because you did it. Yeah. Mm, like it. Exactly. But, oh, God, yeah, it's such a double-edged sword because you need the other Beholders to become more powerful so that you can get rid of this one, but obviously it gets harder and harder the fewer there is until you yep. just end up with one mega powerful Beholder. Yeah. So you got it right from the start. you got to decide, okay, because it's becoming more and more of a risk. So if we start with eight, by the time we're down to four, we better be happy with any four of those coming into power because any one of them could at this point now. And yeah. at one point, one of those is going to figure out what you're doing yeah. and come after you just as for, I exactly. I, I see you yeah. and I'm going to kill you because of what you're doing. And they're all yeah. paranoid enough that they suspect you the entire time and yeah. just waiting for proof. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the Gauss again and I'm sitting here going, they only have six eye stalks. They're not quite as scary, but I'm like, but they have four tentacles that could probably hold wands. They probably are holding the petrified eye stalks of other beholders. Just like, me too! Ah! <laughs> I am a full beholder! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just float. <laughs> yeah. Look at me! <laughs> Megan, do you have anything? Um. Yeah, so I'm always looking for different ways to start a campaign. Because the oh, meeting in a tavern. Put everyone in a tavern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Walking so down a road in yeah. the forest. What is that? It's festival time? How daring of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. 
Uh, so I thought it would be neat, especially if you're going to do a campaign that has beholders as big bad big bads or in your world, it's good to introduce them right at the beginning. So I almost thought it would be interesting to start a campaign, like if you're doing a level three or level six start, that you were captured and you're all minions in the jail of a beholder. Mm. And you all meet in jail and it's an escape room of how to get out of this beholder's jail. And it doesn't have to be a full beholder. It could be a okay. gauss. Yeah. yeah, That's a little bit easier to handle should you happen to come across it. But I would almost as a DM just put the fear that it's there, but you never actually see it. You're just dealing with its minions, um, like the kobolds that are in its lair, like the smaller things you would normally fight at a lower level. Trying to get out. Trying to get out. And, and the last thing you do is you trigger all those shriekers, those little mushrooms on the way out. So it knows that it. you've escaped and it yeah. knows who you are. And now so you're on now the run. You're on the run from this thing that and you're in constant fear that this thing is going to show up again. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So I just thought that's a good way to just, a new way to start a campaign. Yeah. I like getting straight to the action when I start a campaign. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, because when you have a brand new group, maybe people that have only just met, or, uh, you know, everyone's trying to get to grips with how's this campaign going to go, that whole idea of what does... The, Kind of what does the DM want us to sort of do this yeah. first hour or so? Yeah. Um, but when you go straight to action, people are like, oh, fuck. It breaks the ice straight yeah. away through basically through survival. So, yeah. yeah Cause, I mean, you're in a jail. Fantastic. You have to deal with escaping a jail. Yeah. So you're using your brain. You're, you're going to find out who at the table is more strategic, who at the table is more like combat heavy, who is going to be your murder hobo. Like mm. you can figure all that stuff out in that space. Yeah, right so, away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? No. I hate them. Come on. <laughs> but I uh, love them at the same time. Uh, they're 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 fun when you're looking at the page. I don't I do not want to fight any of these fuckers in a game. You have the Gauss page open right now and I keep looking at it you're and welcome. wanting to not look at it anymore. I <laughs> must fight a death tyrant again because I must beat it. Oh that was beat one. So I beat it though. Well, that's and, so good for and, you. <laughs> and a couple of sessions later, Terry, you weren't there, but they all went and fought uh, in a city of undead and another death tyrant showed up and everyone dropped everything they were doing. It was chaos. There was like a city square full of people about to get executed and there are zombie archers around and skeletons are doing, or skeleton archers and zombie guards and shit. And there are a council of vampires. And then, um, a death tyrant showed up as well, just as like that extra fucking muscle. They dropped everything to murder the fuck out of that. Out of principle. You were all emotionally triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. So. Well, that makes me feel better. Happy about that. Um, I'm looking at the gout as well, and he doesn't really have lips. Can you imagine trying to kiss that fucking thing? Do you want to kiss any of them? Um, is there one that you are particularly attracted to? Well, I'll tell you, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Megan. Oh. We can end it there. We're yeah. done. So that's it for this episode <laughs> of the It's Mimic Podcast. If you'd like to support us, even though I say shit like that, you can head to www.itsamimic.com and hit our fancy donate button or... Tell your friends and the rest of your D&D party about the podcast. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. So, I don't follow, like, hit the button. Yeah. Whatever it is, or whatever, yeah. uh, whatever app you're, you're using. using. Yep. Um, and, uh, and don't forget to come back next week, when we're going to be covering the mechanics around character death. Thank you for listening to another It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, shoutouts, requests, and mailbag questions can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Before we wrap up and actually end it, let's talk about the last beholder on the list. It's not a true beholder, um, but it's really the last thing that we should mention. There is the mind witness as well, but we're going to cover that with the elithids and mind players eventually, which is... When the mind or when the mind players get their hands on a beholder, they fuck it up something fierce, and it's 
It's it's gross. But let's talk about the death kiss. Sounds no, no name of my sex tape. Nobody went with that. I okay, all right. <laughs> the death kiss. All right. So um, this is a lesser beholder uh, that might come into being when a beholder has a vivid nightmare about losing blood. This thing is all about blood and electricity. The idea is that it survives solely on ingested blood, which it uses to generate electrical energy inside the body. It's paranoid about dying from starvation, so it obsessively drains even little creatures such as rats in an effort to stave off this fate for as long as possible. After it drains its prey, it abandons the corpse to scavengers, and a death kiss prefers to hunt alone. If it meets another death kiss, it might fight, flee, or team up, depending on its health and pride. When underground, it uses its tentacles as feelers, prodding and examining the environment and legs of adventurers in all directions, Megan. Above ground, it usually keeps its tentacles retracted when on the hunt. Um, it, it, it is a pale, fleshy orb with no mouth. It has a number it has of these tentacles instead of eye stalks. And at the end of each one, there is a mouth ringed with teeth that it uses to, to suck blood. Nightmare. Oh. So um, it's a false tyrant, it's called, uh, in the book. In poor lighting and with its tentacles extended, a death kiss can be mistaken for a true beholder. It might do this on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, all beholders tend to pretend to be real beholders. These guys are uh, CR-10. They're large, armor class 16, hit points 161. Their fly speed is 30 feet, so they're a little bit they're faster. faster. yeah. Yep. Uh, they've got 18 strength, 14 dex, 18 con, so they're formidable physically. Intelligence is 10, and so is charisma, which is average, and wisdom is a 12. But they get con and wisdom saving throws, they both get a bump. Um, they're immune to lightning because that helps them, right, with all the blood shit that's going on. And then, of course, they can't be prone. Dark vision's 120 feet. Passive perception is 15. And, of course, they speak deep speech and undercommon. They have lightning blood. A creature within five feet of the death kiss takes 1d10 lightning damage whenever it hits the death kiss with a melee attack that deals piercing or slashing damage. So, don't. Yeah, punish for hitting it, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, again, I'd like to see in more creatures that, like, don't don't hit them or you're going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get a multi-attack. They get three tentacle attacks per turn. Up to three of these attacks can be replaced by the blood drain. Uh, one replacement per tentacle grappling a creature. So, the tentacles have a plus eight to hit. They reach 20 feet, and each one can hit one target. It's 3d6 plus four piercing damage, and the target is grappled with an escape DC of 14 if it is huge or smaller. Until this grapple ends, the target is restrained, and the death kiss can't use the same tentacle on another target. It has ten tentacles, and if it wraps up to three of these tentacles around, then it can drain three times with blood drain. One creature grappled by a tentacle of the death kiss must make a, six, a DC 16 con save or take 4d10 lightning damage, and the death kiss regains half as many hit points. Oh. These things are fucking vampires. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're lightning vampires. Ball vampire. Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, and they look like fleshy testicles with an eye and tentacles. They don't look like that. So they don't have a mouth, eh? Uh, well, they do at the end of each one of at the... the end of each one. Yeah, so they got oh. ten little mouths. I might add in... You know, like uh, on The Matrix, where Neo's, like, the, the, the skin goes over, so he's, like, doesn't have a mouth, but you yeah. can still see him kind of going, mm, like that. Ew, uh, no I would kind of have it <laughs> like no. that. Yeah, it's so cool. They've got a little sketch of the, the freaking tentacles retracted, too. Yeah. And it just looks like this thing has little scales all over it, which is 
just loads of gross and fun. I also like that uh, they added the detail that some of the tentacles are red-tipped because I guess they just drank and they're like bringing the the blood up. But otherwise, this thing is just white, like really pale, like like Dan without a shirt on in the middle of December. Well, <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> so so um. These guys are gross. They're not really beholders. You don't get any eye rays with them. Um, do you really like how how do you how do you feel about these guys? They're simplistic. They have simple tactics. They don't have I mean they've got 120 dark vision and yet they feel around consistently with their tentacles mm-hmm. trying yeah. to find things that are alive. So it's not enough to just simply hide and be still. Mm-hmm. Even if you're invisible, it's going to reach out. I'm thinking about that scene in War of the Worlds where there's like the creature with the big eye moving through the basement, but there's all these little tentacle things reaching around and yeah. hunting at the same time. I may throw these in to a party that has trouble with fucking about and never get into what they're supposed to do because it creates a sense of urgency. They're going to sap your energy at the same time as they're healing. You basically have to work together to get rid of this thing quickly you can't be fucking around. You've got to work together. Yeah. Um, so if a, if a party's having trouble coming together, I might use a couple of these. <laughs> I came up with like a whole little campaign idea for these guys. Yeah, what do you got? So, it's Halloween is coming. Yeah. And I was thinking Haunted Mansion. Sure. So, what I'm thinking is this Haunted Mansion. I know, right? Oh, up to the vents? Is yeah. That... So, basically, this beholder lives in its own, like, cavern that it's built underneath this foundation. Mm-hmm. And then, at night, it comes out to feed, like a vampire would. So, it'll come up and it'll feed. And then, in the morning, more dead bodies would appear. And so, I'm almost imagining, like, that whole Haunted Mansion whodunit murder kind of thing. But it's one of these motherfuckers? But it's one of these motherfuckers oh, going around. Oh, and they've got weird little, like, kiss marks yeah. all over them. So, oh. you think it's a vampire, or you think it's a person in the party, or you think it's a person in the house. It becomes a murder mystery. And then, randomly, one night, someone sees or hears of a ghost, and there's, like, stories of these ghosts. So, you actually have to go and try and find this thing. And then, you find the cavern under the mansion, and then the whole, like, the little campaign is going through the other caverns to find it. That's so fun. Yeah, because you see, like, trails of blood, because its little tentacles are dragging blood all over the place, like... It was very haunted-like. I like oh. this haunted mansion idea because it's in the area of the haunted mansion that nobody ever goes. So you're you're doing it's like doing death house, but between the walls yeah. in the air vents. That's where you're traveling. You're not in like the drawing room, but you might have a situation where you go into like the room, which is just basically a space between the walls, and you peer out between the vent and you can see like the drawing room or something. You're not going to go in there. It's just way roughly where you are in the house. I, I don't know if your house has plumbing, but I love one of these things coming up out of the shower drain. Yeah. And these tentacles coming up. And, and, and when it attacks, because it doesn't have a mouth and vocal cords and shit, when it attacks, all you hear is little sucking noises. Little, little like kissing sucking noises. And then a person completely drained of blood is found in that room. What little blood trails leading to the nearest vent or or faucet or yeah, this yeah. is this is fun. I like this. Wow. That's that's creepy as well, balls. There it is. It's a ball. It's a ball. Yeah. Um I yeah, this to me is a um this is a character killer. When your rogue sneaks off to do its own thing and gets hit by four of these tentacles in two rounds, it's not getting away. And that blood drain hits. You have to make a con save, right? DC 16. So this thing is going to wrap you up. You could, in theory, turn the corner and see a character wrapped up in ten tentacles with this one big eyeball mashed against its face. As it's just like a a little cacophony of suckling noises. As they're just wrapped up. (laughs) And you cannot make ten 
um, ten uh, escape rolls in a single round, right? Like you're fucked. There's nothing you can do here. Yeah. So if you're you by yourself, you need your party. You yeah. will die. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So, any any final thoughts on the death kiss? This one is the perviest of them, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I mean, I know we had the the wall of dicks, but this is a. Uh, this one's right. It gets it gets up in your business, right? Yeah. Like this, this one, it's that's what it needs. To I do. feel like it's sliding up your pant leg to like mm. suck oh. right behind your knee. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think as a magic item or a reward, I would if you can sever one of those tentacles, you could like taxidermy it, make it stiff, for like a staff that you could drain blood as well to regain hit points. You guys, <laughs> Megan's face says she's not with me. On I this. hate it. Like some sort of <laughs> fucked up. Maybe the druid would love that. I think. What fucking druids are you playing? Okay, you know what? what? We're gonna end it there. From from fucking from suckling beholders to wall of dick to the long hard tentacle that is gonna. Okay, yeah, yeah we're done. Yeah, we're done. I'm, ta- I'm tapping out. I'm out. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Dan, edit this out. And actually fucking edit it out this time, you son of a bitch. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. (laughs) Okay, you're done.